everyone you know thinks you know we're supposed to be you know mathematically inclined tech nerds but by and large we're all frustrated artists yeah <laughs> we're, we're you know for me it's i i want to be an artist but i have no talents you know, i'm not a musician <laughs> can't but, paint uh, yeah yeah most of the things i i my art history comes through in, in things that i build with my hands right and, and Code is just kind of a, it's a virtual extension. Absolutely, I, I feel like you can really create things of beauty, right? In code, and again, you know, I'm going to waste all my really good material <laughs> pre in the warm up. I'll make sure this gets in. <laughs> um, so, welcome everyone to episode six of the Drunk Web. Six episodes in, and I've been looking forward to this one in particular ever since I got the calendar invite accepted notification. So I've been thinking about what we should talk about with today's guest. And I started to make notes and then I realized this is useless because I have 2000 pages of notes right now. So we might as well just wing it. So today I have the rock star of the programmer community that I got to be a part of when I first moved to New York. I admire so many things about you, your skills and, and the way you work. And I'm not alone. I know that for a fact. Charlie Fulnecki, AKA Uncle Charlie. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Cindy. You are too kind. <laughs> this is pretty much a mutual admiration society. So <laughs> we're going to be hearing a lot of good things about each other. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. So would you like to announce what we're drinking? Oh, we are drinking mojitos. This is uh, something that you and I just started drinking together you know, on our many, many excursions. <laughs> yes. Cheers. <laughs> We Cheers. did. Yeah. And then there were the lunches. Right? Then there were the lunches. Yeah. yeah. Havana's and... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, there were a couple of good Cuban restaurants in that too. Yeah, and mojitos became yeah. our thing. And so today, uh, the rum I got is, how do we say this? Flor de cana? Flor de cana. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Apparently, it's better than Bacardi. So uh, we're drinking mojitos, uh, white rum, mint, uh, limes, sugar cubes, the whole nine. We just started, actually. It's our first uh, drink. So this should be called the sober web. Yeah. Well, mine's empty. Yours is empty? Mine's empty already. Okay. That means I get to uh, make you another one. We'll definitely follow up on that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So while I make drink number two, please tell us where you are because I don't want to give uh, your history here. Uh, you've been at so many places. But let's, let's stick to the web and the programming engineering side of your, your career. And then I want to talk about you running for office and all that good stuff. Oh, oh so, wow. <laughs> so we're starting, we're going backwards or forwards chronologically? Let's go, let's go backwards. Let's start from now. And start from now? I'm going to go back okay. while I make uh, another mojito. So uh, I'm at HBO still, okay. again. Um, we're working on uh, an admin tool for HBO Go. And, what are you guys uh, using? HBO Now. We are using React on the front end and Node in the back end. React, all right. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm kind of digging the React. It was a little resistant because, you know, I'm, I'm a big Angular aficionado fan. You know, I go to N every, every ng-conf. <laughs> and I've already got my ticket for 2016. Sweet. Um, I'm also working with uh, uh, their Enterprise Relations Group, which is brand new. Jules, shout out to Jules. Um, All right, Jules. She's, uh, she's sort of coordinating and, and leading the effort to yeah, do something that probably should have been done a long time ago. Uh, you know, if you've ever looked at Angular websites, they've got these sort of little toy apps. And they, the structure of them isn't really suitable for enterprise applications. 
So they, they apparently have realized that fact and, and are now working with various enterprise teams to sort of come up with demonstrator project and best practices. So we're we're working on that, just trying to figure out the baseline. I'm I'm pushing for you know nice things like Webpack, uh, sort of a, a component-based architecture. Uh, we're having big fights over things like, well, should we use Grunt, Gulp, or just NPM? Right. And so you know me, I'm I'm all about simplicity. Yeah. What are you leaning towards? Gulp, Grunt, NPM. You know, I started in the Grunt world. I was so, okay. just so fascinated with a build tool that used JavaScript, and you know, it was it was great. It was declarative, and, and I have, uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. But I come from a very declarative background, correct? Okay. Uh, so that that appealed to me about it. But then I'll, I saw the, the simplicity and the sort of stream, cool streaming aspects of Gulp, and I said, "Oh, okay, new shiny, good." <laughs> um, but that lasted all about a month when I realized that. Uh, you know, the backend guys are getting tired of me giving them a new build tool to deal with. But it, it turns out that most of the things that you need to do, you can get by with just NPM, you know, run scripts. And especially if you're using Webpack. Webpack takes out a lot of the traditional things that I needed to do with Run or Gulp. You know, the minification phase, the optimization of the images. Oh, you are you are a man among men. Cheers. Cheers. Mojitos. Some men would argue that making mojitos uh, does not make you so much of a man of a man, but you know. You know, what do they know? Mm -hmm. Not much. Okay, cool. So at HBO, you guys are using React. Um, so did you say you, you fell back to NPM? Yeah, I'm doing everything I need. I, you know, I, I write node scripts for it. And cool. then, um, you know, NPM has this ability to, there, there's a pre and a post stage for every task that you run. Right. So you can chain together all of the things you need to do through pre and post, you know, sort of, sort of like a, uh, not recursive, but you, you're chained. Right. Yeah. Uh, and anything else you need to do, well, you can write a node script for. Right. So a, a lot of the, the generators that I had been using that were using Gulp, I was able to take most of the code that they had as Gulp and just pull it directly out into to node scripts. Right. That's interesting. The drunkweb.com uses Gulp, but I'm having... Gulp is great. I don't, yeah. I don't want to disc Gulp. No, it yeah. is, but uh, I am having some issues, small issues that I think using the, the the chain system that you're talking about of Node will probably help me get rid of some of those yeah. problems. So it's really about just reducing the number of dependencies. You know, it, it's... I, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm... Oh, I'm not a... A dependency Nazi, but <laughs> I, I do feel like you know getting rid of dependencies. You know, right. I there are a lot of teams that you know they get up and they present and they say you know, with pride, hmm. we wrote one million lines of code and we have gazillion unit tests. And wow. I'm like, God, I feel a little odd because I'm proud to go. I actually took you know 200 <laughs> lines of code out today, <laughs> and I feel like that's a great accomplishment. Uh, oh, it sure is. Yeah, removing things. Yeah, was a lot harder. Okay, we'll get back to um, build process and, and CI and all that. Um, so at HBO before then, Morgan, Morgan Stanley. Right? I was I worked on a project at Morgan Stanley for six months. I was a consultant. The uh, uh, project was uh, called SalesLink. And it was an, already built out in Angular. And you know, you, it was one of those projects that you know, Angular is just the new hotness, yeah. or it was the new hotness last year. Uh -huh. uh, and so you know, a lot of people were just ramping up with it. So you could tell there were a lot of, you know, sort of uh, 
uh, well, I call them rookie mistakes because that's what they were. Right. And it, the the code base was a little bit incoherent, right. and the performance wasn't great. And so uh, they pulled together just a really crack team, uh-huh. uh, really sharp developers. Uh, I want to put a, a shout out to all those guys out there. You know who you are, uh-huh. and you were you know probably one of the most brilliant, smartest, and and best teams to work with that I've had the pleasure to work with. All right. But we knocked that thing out in, in record time. Basically, uh, it it uh, it was a complete rewrite. But we were, it wasn't built as a rewrite. It was just, oh, we are building these features out. Right. Well, we rewrote it from scratch, and the end users never knew that. To them, it was just, oh, you just added these new features, and by the way, made everything faster. That's crazy. Yeah. If they don't recognize it as a new application, yet you did rewrite it, you did probably did a very good it, job. It was, it was great, uh, a great team effort, and yeah, I think my contribution was more in uh, the way I, I sort of acted as, you know, the uncle All right. <laughs> of the team. <laughs> uncle it, Charlie. We had a distributed team. With, you know, uh, right. Two of our guys were in London. Okay. So I would get up at 5 or 6 in the morning and just spend an hour with those guys, just chatting about what we were going to work on. And they were great, uh, big contributors to the team. It was just such a joy to just talk to people and know that you, know, that, you, know, you didn't have to do anything because you knew they got it. Right. And their ideas you know, were, were helping the project along. And you could just leave, let them go. Right. Once you gave them a little bit of guidance, they would just take it and run with it. And we had a great team in in the New York office, mm-hmm. and uh, we we all worked together so well. And that's the kind of thing that you you sort of live for when everything just falls into place. Right. It doesn't happen that often where no, everything aligns like that. It doesn't. So so that worked out. You were there for six months. Angular one point four. One point four. Yeah. Awesome. Um, before that, Amex? Uh, no, before that was HBO. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was our, our time to shine. That's right. Uh, so it's just working on um, some B2B apps within uh, the HBO community. And it was a small team. We had two back-end developers. Uh, it was primarily, I believe, Node. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely was Node. You know those guys. Should I mention them? Give a shout-out to Yeah, sure. James and Praveen on the back-end and Clark Jones on the front-end. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So I... I I think that one went well. It was, you know, not a lot of pressure uh, on the time frame. Uh-huh. You know, most of the time we spent waiting for the QA to actually look at our code. Right. But we we came out of that one. I felt really good about that one because, again, you know, I, I like simplicity. So when people talk about large amounts of code, well, we wrote the entire application uh, with 800 original source lines of code. Fully tested, both oh. uh, from 100% unit tested and 100% end-to-end tested. Wow. We actually had code coverage numbers for both unit and end-to-end tests. I don't know how many projects are like that out there. It's not many, yeah. Probably not that many. So I was pretty happy with the results of that. And the interesting thing was it didn't get deployed until after I came back to HBO. Right. They just sort of sat on it for a long time and right. then eventually deployed it. But we got really good feedback from the community. So awesome. I'll chalk that one up in the wind column. Yet another... Success for Uncle Charlie, and and <laughs> then prior to that we had uh, HBO Lite, and you know that was very challenging project. We did, you know, we deployed it. It was short lived. It only you know lived out in the wild for a year, year and a half, right? Maybe two two tops. Forget, right. forget which. But it, you know, it was definitely a learning experience. That was the first time, you know, most of the guys on the team had ever uh, done JavaScript or HTML right. development, mm-hmm. and we we had brought in Angular. Yeah, 
So we were one of the early adopters for Angular, and, and we were very active that in the meetups. That was even Angular 1.0, was it? It was 0.9. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh, but you know what? In hindsight, I think that was a good decision because uh, to bring in Angular. Because I, I do remember for a while you specifically were doing research right for the team to, to decide which, which way to go. I had actually been writing... Pro, you know, I, I, this came about from my experience at Amex. Right. And I'd been using Backbone, uh, which wonderful little mini framework. We've combined that with you know four other little mini micro frameworks. They're right. actually not mini frameworks, and we had really good success with it. But the one thing I wasn't satisfied was the testability story. Right. I really yeah. struggled to, yes. to to test it, and so I <laughs> I caught Mishko's uh, cloudy with a chance of tests presentation. It was a big <laughs> Google type uh, uh -huh. meetup for that and. And he walks up there on stage barefoot and commences to wax poetic about testing. And I'm like, going, oh, I got to try this. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, and plus the declarative nature of it uh, was uh, right. very appealing to me. I'd come from an XSLT background. In fact, I, you know, that's how I ended up in New York, believe it or not. Huh. Um, oh, you we'll get to that yeah, a I hope. bit later. I hope so. Uh, but uh, what I wanted to say was how Angular... You know, a lot of us, including myself, who came from, you know, FlashFlex, MVC, very strict MVC, you know, yeah, classes. MVC type stuff. Yeah, robot likes things oh, that, nice. concepts like abstract classes and subclass, superclass, things that, you know, scope, what it means in Angular kind of made sense to yeah. us. Yeah, absolutely. That, right? I think that is what made it such a good choice for HBO at the time. Right. Because we had all these great FlashFlex developers. Yeah. And when you hear Flash, you're yeah. thinking... Well, hopefully the listeners are not thinking, you know, banner ads because people were doing, you <laughs> yeah. know, people were doing big enterprise applications in Flash and Flex, and that's why it was yeah. needed to know MVC, right? And but to leave that and go to uh, JavaScript, like pure JavaScript, it was a, it was difficult. So you could say almost that the team not having done so much JavaScript, coming into a project that had JavaScript and Angular on top of it made it a little bit safer you know absolutely so absolutely. i think and i think that was the story that, that eventually won out um over all the other competing technologies right we had backbone we had ember uh react was not on the scene ember was ember was, was definitely a contender it was one of the I things see. we poc okay um, have you done much ember since then i have never done any ember it wasn't uh, uh i think it when it was called sprout core okay i had looked at it but i you know it didn't have exactly what appealed to me at okay. the time. Got it. And uh, I, I came, uh, so we'll start to work backwards now. Yeah. Uh, how I got to HBO was via, uh, uh, I was in the agency world, at Digitas. Mm -hmm. And we were doing an Amex project. Would you say that was your big hit, the Amex project? That absolutely was my, my, my big hit. But well, I think that was probably my, <laughs> my big hit. Because it, here, it's, it's an application that's used by, you know, a huge... You know, financial corporation, right? Mobile. It was mobile. It was out there, and you know, I actually used it myself. It okay. was the yeah you know, the offers and benefits portion of, of their app. Okay. And so it had a yeah, it had that appeal to it. Travel too. The travel section. There was travel section too. I use that know, all the time. Lounges and and stuff like that. Nice. But it uh, it was like the perfect storm. You know, people in the age. I this was my first agency experience too. Okay. And you know. People kept telling me, even on my exit interview with them, they said, you know, 
this never happens. This was like the perfect storm. <laughs> you know, but we had such a great experience, great team. Uh, everyone had such a good time. We and we delivered, a, 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 I think, an outstanding mobile product nice. on on time, on budget. Nice. And and again, it was you know everyone was telling me how hard it was to work with these guys, and hmm. I just said, I didn't find it to be that way. Right. And, and I guess that's the one thing you know that that. Uh, uh, I guess maybe it's my thing. Right. Is that I'm really, really comfortable going into places and 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 just ramping up quickly. And right. uh, I think there, there's a couple of people in my LinkedIn inf- LinkedIn reviews or uh-huh. you know, recommendations. They talk about that. They talk about that. Right. But I, I I can go in and be comfortable with people very quickly and and be an instant contributor. Well, it's it's because the people were good. All right. Yeah, there are places I go where it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it takes two to tango. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. I mean, I've heard so much about that Amex project, and that seems to be the the one that stands out. Um, the end result has to be amazing because I know what we did for HBO. What made it to production was great. We yeah. really we pulled the rabbit out of the hat on that one. I can yeah. remember they originally they said that. Uh, Oh, okay. On on the tablets, mm-hmm. must load in six seconds. Oh <laughs> really, that's not very aggressive. <laughs> but you know, one month before we're supposed to release yeah. it, they they say suddenly, oh no, it needs to be sub two seconds. Yeah, right. And so we really pulled pulled yeah. a little some optimizations there. Right. And the team pulled together. Mathers did a great job with the yeah how we handled images primarily, mm-hmm. and right. it was such it was such a beautiful site. Right. It was. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, and so before Amex, if you can, if you can go so quickly, so Amex through. was a very deliberate decision on my part because I really wanted to get into mobile. So oh. this was uh, so around two thousand what eleven, two thousand twelve. Okay. Uh, you know, mobile right. clearly is where the world was going. You know, right. you weren't seeing it in the numbers at that point, but you know, we. We've been around long enough to understand where where tech is going. So I really wanted to get involved in the mobile project. Right. Uh, the one I was on was strictly desktop and strictly IE6. Oh, what? Uh, well, we do IE8, but uh, the the most of the infrastructure we were dealing with was still tied to IE6. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was a lot of XSLT, and you know, I, most people probably don't even think about XSLT, but at the time, you know. Okay, so you've got a functional declarative language that's Turing complete in the browser. Right. <laughs> right? And in IE6, the performance uh, of XSLT, you know, uh-huh. it's, it was compiled in, you know, compiled versus the, the um, interpreted language of JavaScript. And JavaScript at that time was really suffering from performance right. problems. This was before V8. Right. And all the stuff that Safari's done with WebKit. Uh, so if you really wanted to do fantastic, you know, performant stuff, you, you, you know, when we talk about React's virtual DOM now, well, right. we were using the XML DOM as our virtual DOM. Right. And that was our model. Right. And then we would run it through XSLT, which, you know, you could do some amazing things with it. Uh, you know, it always used to blow my mind that people would, you know, write parsers in, in JavaScript to iterate through the, these DOM nodes. Right. When you got this beautiful declarative language to quickly, you know, something that would take them 50, 60, 70, 80 lines of JavaScript code, I could do you know, five lines of XSLT and it would blow the doors off it performance-wise. 
but unfortunately, you know, when when uh, HTML5, that, that working group, the what 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 week uh, <laughs> came along, apparently those guys really don't like XML, and, right? <laughs> uh, XML based tools, so it, it was given short shrift and and very little support. And the the newer browsers, you know, their JavaScript engines perform phenomenally. However, they really let the performance of their XSLT engines and their, their XML-based uh, um, processors go downhill. The they wall. never really, you know, IE6 and IE, and practically IE8, probably that was the, the, the heyday of XML, right. XSLT. You know, very performant. You could uh, also support passing nodes as arguments to oh. your templates. Right, similar to Flex. Right, you when if you can't do that, you know, you 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 have to have these huge models and work in, within one single model right. uh, instead of breaking it out into smaller models because right. you can't take one subset of nodes and pass it off to the, the your Correct. processing and mm -hmm. templating uh, engines for other operations. So that was a, a problem with live XSLT. Um, so I, I I did sort of try to ping Apple on that and uh -huh. a couple other. Uh -huh. About that, and they go, Well, if you really care about it, you should fix it yourself and contribute back. <laughs> However, that wasn't, you know, I read apps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these four libraries weren't my area of expertise. Right. And at that time, JSON was really starting to come on strong. And, you know, it, again, it's all about data friction. You know, the, the appeal for XML was that, you know, I, I wasn't going through these ob object re relational mapping dance. I could have XML in the back end, I could have XML right. in the front end. Yeah, so again, there were XML-based databases at that time. You had your MarkLogic, you had your Exists, and you had, that, you had that data friction problem pretty much solved. You could have XML straight through from the, the back end to the front end. Right. Uh, and you can do that with JSON too, though. Yeah. And it's, it's lighter weight. I mean, obviously, you know, with compression in place, your XML is not any heavier across right. the wire than, than JSON. For the same information, however, the perception was that it's very verbose and very heavy, and there is additional processing on the client, you know, because it's got to go through all those nodes. Right. So JSON being something that is native to you know JavaScript, right. well, you've eliminated that that communication where you have to convert between the XML DOM and and the JavaScript DOM. It's it makes sense. You've got right. you've got Mongo in the back end right now, right. and you've got Node right. in the middle tier. It's all JSON. It's all JSON, right? So, you know, even though to this day we still don't have the maturity that we had with XML, it just still the 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 synergy of it, the the reducing reduction in data friction, really makes sense. Uh, I do miss I miss Schematron. I miss Schema. I miss XPath. Oh, right. do I miss XPath? But there are, are some tricks that I think you. Know, Libraries like Lodash, Underscore, they sort of fill that, that void, but it's not that nice declarative syntax that, that we had with these XML-based tools. But again, they, you know, they get better and better each day, and JavaScript gets faster and faster, and that's where things go. So we transition. Yeah, we do transition. Uh, we have to, and, uh, and, that's, uh, and that's okay, because I think it's, uh, it's an evolution, right? It will it hopefully keep getting better. So, how did we end up here? What, what were we talking about? We're, talking we were actually about... talking about where I was working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got into this, uh, uh, well, let's go to XSLT because really that's what brought me to New York. Yeah, so how did you end up in New York? You were at the, where were you? Before? I was working for the DOD in uh -huh. Virginia. In Virginia, okay. Prior to that. By the way, did you know that you've lived in 14 
places in the world? I did know it was something close to that number. Yeah, it was yeah. 14. So you like to move a lot. Well, so I'm a military brat. So we, <laughs> we practically moved every year. But now I, I, this is, I brought my kids to New York. In fact, my son was born here. Mm-hmm. And one of his middle names is Hudson because he was born on the Hudson River. There you and go. The, our apartment overlooks the Hudson River. So it's, yeah. I know very well because I played piano. You did in your play piano there. <laughs> it was a good night. It was a good night. You have a beautiful place. How long would you say you've done software development? Because you were in, you were doing some other so stuff. So I've, I've done software development since the early 90s. Have you passed 20 years? I think, you know, if we really want to call it professional, I think probably 90, uh, 96 was when I first started programming. Okay. So Professionally, as you know, some other company was paying me deliberately to do it. I actually programmed in every every job I was in. So I, I worked my way through college. Right. Uh, you know, I, I built swimming pools and yeah. did landscaping and renovations and things like that. And uh, so one of the things that I had to do was you know get liners for these pools. And these pools right. would oftentimes you know some people weren't really conforming to the actual dimensions. They, uh-huh. they, you know, they may not have squared up the or <laughs> it might, might have been a one of these mountain pools that has an odd shape so you have to get the dimensions so right. you have to pull point to point and a lot of times you know when you're writing all these things down you might make a mistake so i, I would use mathcad right. use, you know create matrix ops or uh-huh. operations that would convert those point to point calculations or right. measurements into a picture that i could then sort of overlay on it against other measurements that have been taken and right. see if they matched up so I was, you know, I was using my computer science background because right. I, I'd been going to school as a computer scientist since, you know, 1981. I mean, I would have loved to see what kind of things were going on in the tech industry or in the software so, so business. This, is, this was when microcomputers were first becoming ubiquitous. Uh, right. The IBM PC, uh, my first year in college, had just come out. Uh, the 8088. 8086 uh, was was being mass produced, and you were seeing clones start to appear. My first year in college, we didn't even have microcomputers. We had to do assembly language programming on the IBM 360, which used punch cards. Whoa! Believe it or not, I actually remember those because we were behind. You know, I grew up in Iran, and we were behind about ten years in most things. You know, and I'm I'm estimating depends what you're talking about. With music, we're definitely a few years behind. With technology and specifically computers, we were definitely a good decade behind. So, did you actually use so, punch cards? I remember punch cards. I, uh, a few cousins who lived in a different town, they got every version of the what was it? Uh, every Pentium that came out, oh, you know, oh, every wow. new yeah, one. That yeah. They would get it. I had a Amiga. 500. You, I had an Amiga 500. Yeah, Amiga 500. Oh, it was such a great machine. It was amazing. Yeah. Floppy disks. And yeah. The games were great. Yeah. The games were yeah, Monkey Island. Monkey Island, yeah. yeah. I, I liked the, the sports games. I don't know who was building those things. Yeah, uh, you know, I, so I, I told you I, I grew up on military bases. And, yeah, right. And so they had tons of punch cards. <laughs> and my dad would bring them home. And we'd make Christmas wreaths out of them. <laughs> Fold them How and old staple you? them. I was probably, you know, eight years old, nine years old. What great exposure, you know. <laughs> to, I mean, what a great toy <laughs> to be building things out of the, a version of what you're going to end up doing for a living, you know, like, a, like uh, a, you know, the punch card. That yeah, is it so is awesome. a, it's a little bit, you know, prophetic, I guess. Huh? Yeah. yeah, cool dad. Um, all right, so 
uh, where were we? We, we, we actually we were, we were talking about what brought me to New York. Yeah, and, and it was so actually X, right. XSLT brought me to New York because right. prior to that, um, I'd actually been using it on a couple of DoD projects. One was uh, uh, joint warfighters. We were actually uh, we were looking to uh, reduce the incidence of fratricide, you know, because there's with joint warfighting, you know, there's all kinds of different ways and means of communicating and. You know, you, you've got to deconflict the airspace, you've got, you know, you've got your army, you've got your navy, and you've got your marines. Right. And they all have different command structures, different uh, communication systems. So what we were attempting to do was um, figure out, well, how can all these people communicate with each other with what they've got, right. with what's deployed? And so we would actually take the units, the information of all the equipment they had, and we would have to somehow process that and figure right. out what could communicate with what. And somehow, you know, display that information. So we were uh, using graph theory at the time to produce these, you know, connectivity diagrams uh, of the communication. And I was using XSLT for that. I was actually, you know, creating the, these XML documents with the, the information. This is post college. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Right. Well, I was actually taking courses at that time, uh, uh -huh. supercomputing. Okay. That was a fun class. So should I diverge on that? <laughs> well, let's finish this one. Yeah, let's finish. Man, this episode is going to be five hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. So, um, so anyway, and and something called uh, a JavaScript graphing lang language that used um, Python, a Java version of Python. This Jython. 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 I used Jython. Jython. Come on, is that a real thing? It is a real thing. <laughs> Jython. You hear uh, that, kids? Learn Jython. It was a a, a graphing language. Um, uh, graph. HTML. Wow, it's been so long. Uh -huh. But anyway, it produced these really cool, you know, because of, of the the weighting of the the nodes, the connections, you could actually see the units sort of clumping together. And then you could see the connectivity between them, whether uh -huh. they had it or not, a little line draws this other clump of units. And it was sort of a big break, because before that they'd been using um, Microsoft Access. Uh -huh. And big tables, right? Connections and trying to wade through all that information. And probably more it was manual. So slow, yeah. Right. It was, and and it was so slow to produce it. And so we we're using XML and XSLT to produce the data to to right. feed into these these graphing algorithms that would uh, yeah. connect the nodes and make it visible, so that we could say, oh yeah, we can communicate with these guys. And you didn't have D three. We did not have D three <laughs> at that time. No. Yeah. We're using Java um, and something called EMF, Eclipse Modeling Framework. Okay. I was a big fan of, of the way Eclipse went about building their, their interfaces because it was a lot like what I had done on a previous project uh, in JavaScript. Uh, I built out a similar framework to the way Eclipse actually loads its plugins for a timekeeping hmm. application. And this is where the, the connection to New York comes right. in. Right. Okay. I actually worked on the Navy's timekeeping system. Uh, wow. For their civilian employees, so there are something like two hundred thousand civilian employees. So Navy. when you're working with the military, the right? You're, this is this is sensitive stuff, right? You, well, this this piece of it isn't, uh -huh. and the fact that you know. But I'm guessing there's there's a million set of eyes on you. Oh well, yeah, right? you have, you have to have a clearance. Right. Um, I I can't really tell you much about the clearance right. without killing you. I don't need to know. <laughs> exactly, it's neat to know. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, 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 you know, I went to places like Korea for the War Games, uh, Ultra Focus Lens. That wow. was exciting. 
I, I met South. South Korea, absolutely. Right. I actually met my wife on a, uh, a side trip. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Shout out. Uh, yeah, I met my, my beautiful wife, Yan. In, um, shout out to Yan. In Shanghai. In Shanghai. In Shanghai. I took a trip to China and met her there. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, again, we were talking about, it's, it's all about XSLT, believe it or not, because um, <laughs> the timekeeping system, this was back in the IE 5.5. Prior to IE6, they had introduced something really cool, something that that a prior guest of yours really struggled uh -huh. to name, <laughs> which is the XML HTTP request object, okay, or XHR for short, XHR, okay, or what people call AJAX, okay, right. So, uh, so it had just happened, it had just come out, and I'm like working for them, and their performance is is unbearable. They're like, okay, this thing is collapsing. It's unusable. And so they brought me in to fix that. Okay. And how uh, do you get that job though? How did they find you? What kind of questions did they ask you? I mean, I'm just fascinated. You know, how do you get that job? So I had been working on DOD projects prior to that. Um, and I, the sad, the strange and interesting thing is <laughs> that I don't think it was my DOD work that really sold them on that because I yeah. was working doing a lot of Visual Basic at that time. But prior to that, I had been working, I've been writing servlets back in 96 for the engineering firm. I, I worked for a civil engineering firm. And you know, we used to go out and, and risk life and limb hmm. inspecting overhead signs. Right. You know? okay. uh, there's a lot of stories there. <laughs> Death-defying feats of climbing over things where semi-trucks are, no. are running underneath us. The, the time, uh, Chevy S10 jumped off a trailer right in front of us and hop, 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 within three feet of us. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And we then went and pushed it back on the trailer and shooed the guy off. Wow. Uh, but uh, yeah, <sighs> we would climb over these signs, you know, and highways. I learned all about uh, traffic safety then, you know. You know, all those people that put the cones up? Yes. I was one of those guys. I put the cones up. Charlie, you're, you are the most interesting man on earth. You should be on that, on that commercial. <laughs> what does that guy know? He's an actor. Okay. So, yeah, uh, wait, wait till you hear about the time I, I took one of those big track machines, uh -huh. uh, an excavator. Okay. The only ones with the, the, the tracks. Uh -huh. I have to back those. And got, <laughs> got it buried in a hole that was filling up with water. This is one of those stories when you ask about the biggest fuck ups. Uh huh. Yeah, I will ask you that. Yeah, that that's coming <laughs> in that category. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we were we got we got sidetracked. Um, yeah. So, but time. during that time, I was doing the uh, we were doing inspections, overhead signs, mm -hmm. and and bridge scour, and I was doing the the database work for that, and also the presentation, and I was using something, uh, uh, you know, if you're an Adobe fan, you might have heard of it. It's called FDF. Okay. Forms data format. So basically, we had to have these forms to print it out, and they had to be populated with data dynamically. Uh -huh. Well, the PDFs, you know, are static, but FDF allowed you to push dynamic information oh, into the static around? forms. I don't know if it, it's the same thing, but you can certainly use PDFs now and, and just enter data. That's right. Yeah. So, so the data would come from a, a database in this FDF format, and we would just you know push it through. This is also could be one of my my biggest fuckups. Yeah, it could be <laughs> when I describe what what happened with my servlet engine. But I got a job from that fuckup. <laughs> okay. Uh, but so yeah, I, I had done this servlet programming. So I, I had been doing web stuff back in you know the early mid nineties, and this was probably you know two thousand one, two thousand two. 
and they they were looking for someone with with experience with with serverless that could lead their team and and right. and push them in in a direction to improve performance. And you're already that guy. I was I was that guy. Yeah. yeah. And the, you know, early days of the web, you're you're already doing all this hands-on work, all this like crazy sensitive information. And I'm guessing you didn't have wireframes. You know? <laughs> no, strangely, had no wireframes. Yeah. So you it's so you done all that way. stuff. So, so by the time it's 2001, you already have all this experience building, really, at the time, modern things, right? Yeah. And so this this is this is like a groundbreaking point in history for the web is XHR is invented and Microsoft has has put all this effort into XSLT and, and XML right. in the browser. So now you have this this declarative Turing complete language available to you with a lot of you know warts for the average developer. But <laughs> having that experience on the, the Navy project, we we basically improved performance like a hundredfold. We were we were working with JSPs at that time and this was request response. So we had this huge amount of data that we're, you know, people were requesting over and over again. And all of a sudden we have this ability to do something that no one could even imagine at that point in time in the web. Uh, we could do a spa, uh -huh. a single page application. Right. Uh, and you know, What year is this? It's 2001. Okay. So the Oracle guys we're working with just can't fathom this idea. But wait, Ajax? It didn't have the name Ajax at that point. It okay. Was just, there was the XML HTTP request object was now available right. in IE, right. IE 5.5. Okay. So, so what later became Ajax and now what we still use to this day, you were seeing the early days. Yeah, yeah. We were pioneers. This was probably, I have to say... I can't prove this, but I have to say this is one of the biggest or earliest large-scale applications right. that utilized Ajax. Huh. Interesting. Uh, in in the year 2001. 2001. Wow. Okay. So, so we we are we are pioneering uh, this technology, and Amazing. we're working with people like Jenny Tennyson, uh, Steve Munch, Kurt Cagle. You know these these are people that outside of the XML community you've probably never heard of, but these are like the gods of, of XML, and XSLT. And we're also working with, you know, uh, um, sort of like a precursor to all of the modern um, frameworks that we're used to using. Right. It was called NetWindows. Um, Alex Russell from Dojo, you know, at, at Google. He and I were like basically chatting back and forth, emailing each other back and forth constantly. Uh -huh. uh, well, maybe not constantly, but... You still in touch? Uh, every once in a while, you know, I just make Mathers ran into him at a Google conference. Okay. And he mentioned that, that you know, I had brought it up. And he, this is what Mathers told me. I'm not sure it's true, but I like to think it's true. That he said, oh, I apologize for Dojo. <laughs> All right. Maybe we'll do a, a combined episode of you guys and we can talk about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to ask you real quick because I didn't know this stuff and I was fascinated you minored in theater i did minor in theater yeah you know besides lighting design were you actually in the in the plays i i didn't act in any of the productions okay you know, but i had to act in order to get uh -huh. a minor right so i did interestingly enough um i i, I did <laughs> some a couple scenes from brilliant traces it wasn't a far stretch for me because i had to play a guy that had basically been isolated <laughs> and you know this this woman shows up at his doorstep uh -huh. and uh, 
the key to me playing this role was to you know not look awkward because I am awkward, but to look <laughs> awkward because I basically hadn't really had contact with human civilization uh -huh. when I talked with anyone. Right. And really, that you know, that happens to us as developers quite a bit. <laughs> we get into our little code code cave and, yes, and start do. working and, yeah. and then we have to come out and talk to real people and articulate yeah. what we're trying to do and it's just so hard sometimes hmm. wow but if you had to act today probably heisenberg mr white right i mean that's just the look that's i really i do like that role yeah you know i'm kind of a stoic i'm gonna put a picture of you on the episode page well and i'm gonna Maybe Photoshop the hat. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that, that came out of the, the HBO gig, one of our, our good friends and co-workers uh, <laughs> called me the Korean War vet War. software development. <laughs> I mean, he might have said crusty old, too. I'm not, not sure. I don't want to... No, that, his mouth, that, that second part is not right. But, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with the war veteran part. You are definitely wounded by... Technology is going out and coming in. <laughs> Just talk maybe for a minute about you running for office. I would have voted for you. You know, that was such a cool thing. Um, I, I got <laughs> actually talked into it by uh -huh. some people that I was interested in what they had going on. Uh -huh. So you should, you should try this because we really don't like the guy that's in office and no uh -huh. one's running against him. And <laughs> so I said, well, this is a really good experience. I, I, there are some things I really like to talk about. I really like to talk about education. Um, it's. Did you win? I did not win. But, however, but was it close? How? No, it wasn't even close. <laughs> okay. Um, however, but in my home district, I did get thirty percent of the vote running as an independent. Okay. And I spent like you know less than a thousand dollars. Okay. People came in afterwards and said, "Dude, you can't win an election spending that kind of money. You have to yeah. spend some." Money. But it, it was such a good experience, you know, going out and just talking to people at that time. I was just, that was my job. I, I talked to people. I was in front of people 12 hours a day, sometimes seven days a week. I would, I worked on godly hours at that point. Right. I was, I, I was a business owner. I was trying right. to get my business, yeah. you know, off the ground in a, a shaky economy. Um, it was a really good experience. I, I learned a lot about, you know, dealing with people, um, employees, uh, you know, inventory management, those types of things. I wrote my own uh, point of sales. This was before, right. You know, this was such a common thing. We right. were working with, I think, the 386 had just come out. Wow. No opinions. <laughs> so, is it time for Mojito number three? Absolutely. I think so, right? While I'm making Mojito number three, I want to start the questionnaire. All right. All right. Let's do this. I have some new questions. You're the first person to ever hear them. And answer them. Hopefully. Man, but I prepped for the old ones. <laughs> well, the old ones are still there, but uh, these ones are a little bit less serious. If Jesus was a programmer, would he be front end or back end? Oh, he would be front end. Yeah, right? Yeah, That's absolutely. what I think. Yeah. If aliens came to Earth and asked us to present them with our top number one programming language, our best effort, what should we show them? Uh, you know, I, I'd like to say JavaScript. Uh -huh. <laughs> Prototypical um, inheritance. I mean, they gotta love that. The, you know, it's such a misunderstood language. It uh, is. It, it's, and all of its flaws can be managed with a good linter <laughs> and a good, you know, uh, workflow, build workflow. Right. Yeah. Uh, WebKit, I have to, WebKit is like saving my ass. Uh, I have to, 
you know, maybe that's a topic for another conversation. WebKit? No, I'm sorry, not WebKit. Uh, Webpack. 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 Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with with Python. Python. Python is okay. just, you know, it's on my Raspberry Pi, and and my kids are using that for their Minecraft servers. So nice. Yeah. Shout Python. out to your kids. Yeah. On a show that's about drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. All right, so I'm going to get a little bit technical now. Do you think Angular versus React is even a valid comparison? Do you think that's even a valid question? Yeah, I think it's a valid question. Okay. Um, so right now, you know, obviously I, I've been through all Angular versions up to 1.4, and, and we're still waiting on you know, 2.0 to stabilize. Right. Uh, I'm huge, as I've mentioned, huge Angular fan. Uh, React is something that I was forced into learning because HBO is, you know, they, they've outsourced a lot of the work and that work has been done in React. And having used React now for several months, I actually like it. It's, yeah, it's thoughts? pretty cool. My thoughts are that as it matures, it, it's, it's certainly viable. And, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. You can use React with Angular. Right. And certainly the Angular team and the React team are working together right now as we speak. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They, they spent a, a, a lot of effort on that, and yeah, there, there's definitely synergy there. Having said that, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical, skeptical of bringing in these two large frameworks because, yeah, you know, I, well, I haven't mentioned it here, but every time someone tries to bring in jQuery with their Angular apps, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> let's, let's simplify. Let's reduce. Right. Not, but not there keep was, adding. There's already a, a little jQuery thing in there, isn't there? Uh, the JQ Lite stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's, I actually think that's going away too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think with the component-based architectures, you, you don't need to do that type of stuff anymore. Isn't it about time we get the component thing going? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely moved to the, towards that um, with the, uh, the controller as syntax. Right. And it's very interesting to me that I'm able to use the same you know, structure, code structure, component-based code structure with my React applications that I do with my uh, Angular applications. So it won't, it's not going to be a huge transition for me moving between these two languages. Oh, that's pretty interesting. So the code structure, I mean, that I feel like that's my, like a, it took a while for the industry to um, decide on the code structure uh, for Angular or you know for any framework, and it always takes some time. So if you're saying that you know what you came up with uh, for yourself and it works for Angular and it also works for React. That's that's good news. Yeah, I mean, it, basically, the you know, you you just change the contents of the files, <laughs> the file structure <laughs> themselves, the, the file names, everything could pretty much remain the same. Right. So it's just a component. Right. Uh, and you know, the thing that that React doesn't really have is this concept of the services. And right. So those are things you you have to add on for yourself. That's sort of the that will come with time. Right. With React. Right. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But uh, more of the the interesting thing to me was the the testing uh, aspects of React. I had to learn how to test React. I knew how to test Angular, and and the first time I tried to test React, I wrote one test, and ninety nine percent of my code was covered. Oh, and I'm like going, hold it, this this <laughs> is not sitting well with me. <laughs> Too good to be true. Yeah, so basically what I ended up doing was taking each of those components and using ProxyQuire to import them so that I could just import stubs. So that I was only testing the component that I wanted to test at one point. And I think Angular 2 will end up being very similar to that. Okay, so what, 
what do you think if we were going to end up using Angular and React together at the same time? Um, do you think that's going to happen? I think that there will be some communities, just like communities that use okay. Angular with, with jQuery, that, that find that appealing because they may have code base that's already written in one or the other language. Right. So what, what part of Angular do you think we won't be using and replace with React? I mean, it's kind of obvious, but I so, want you to say. So what, what currently are directives would be replaced, um, for the most part, by, by what's going well, on Well, we love directives. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm still not... You know, clear. I've been masking directives behind components for a while with Angular 1.x. Right. So I, I have a factory that I use to actually construct the directive from uh, the component uh, declaration. Right. So the declarative approach definitely wins out for me. So I, I think. Uh, oh, cheers. cheers. So mojito number three. So React is wonderful. I, it's it wasn't a huge transition for me because. It was a lot like how I used to write my own frameworks when I was working on the, the DoD projects and right. the, um, uh, the City Time project. So what they were doing with it was, was completely not alien to me. It was such a natural fit. The, the way I, I like the way that you take state and you move it down through, through props and things just work. It's, <laughs> it's quite magical and, and often you know, it's, it's very declarative in nature too. You create a component, now you've got a tag. Right, and you you pass in props to that. Uh, again, I'm not going to go in deep into what right. React is, but but it does it. It's that magical aspect of it. It's one of the things that that, that uh, made Angular appealing to me. The way the two way binding worked, and the way you could build components, reusable components. Right? Like I right. said, alluded to the uh, the B2B project for um, HBO. Again, 800 lines of code, but that's because we were able to reuse all of these existing components. Right. So we didn't have to do a lot of work. React is, is maturing. There's tons of good stuff out there. I mean, I, I needed a pagination widget. I went out and found a really good one. And it was so simple to just, you know, you know hook the props up right. so that as state changed, you know, the, the UI would reflect. So if I right. need three or four pages, it, it automatically re responds to, right. you know, various state changes. Um, I love that magical aspect of it. It's it's very familiar and comforting. Here's to what I'm worried about, though. Um, I've used things like Twitter Bootstrap, as I imagine most listeners have. Mm -hmm. uh, and there comes a time where it does almost what you want to do, but there is a very crucial aspect of what you want to do, and it just doesn't do that for you. And you can't use the things that you like about it and not use the things that you don't like. About it. It's either... All or nothing. So when it comes to, for example, the grid system, yeah. right? I had major problems with the grid system uh, uh, bootstrap because uh, it, it just wasn't doing what I needed it. So I had to build my own and I felt so much more comfortable building my own, which was not really building a lot of things. It was just a, a handful of CSS classes and and it was, it was really easily done. So what I'm worried about is the industry building these things uh, these components, you know, that work for me as a developer, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to build a dropdown that does a couple of extra things because, because I need that. Okay. But I have to be responsible. I have to build that in such a way that doesn't just satisfy my need. I'm just af afraid of cluttering the component uh, bucket that we have right now on Git with things that sound really good, you know, for one-offs. But then when it really comes down to a real life situation, you may have to, you know, write your own. Does that make sense? 
It absolutely makes sense. Uh, but here's the beauty of it, is that you don't need to include the whole thing. You can say, oh, I only need these pieces of it. And, and that's such a nice thing about CommonJS. Right. And one of the, the cool things I really like about uh, where we're going with the, the module systems, especially uh, where we're going with ES6, ES7, is that you get to include what you want. And that includes CSS. You right. can dynamically load the, the CSS. Uh, Webpack will definitely let you do that right now because you can just require or import uh, at, in the ES6 nomenclature. Right. Import what you need. And it ends up building it all for you. So you don't need all of Bootstrap. Right. Then just load the pieces you need. You don't like what the pieces you need give you? Fork it. Build a new repo. Push it out there. And now maybe someone else will have the same similar need as you. Uh, and or the the, the original uh, repo will say, you know, that's such a good idea. Um, we want it too. We want it too. Let's. Yeah. Let's do a pull request and bring it in, and we've, we've all gained from this. That's awesome, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly doing that with some of the React components I'm using. Uh, okay. they, uh, the, the React Grid layout, for instance, mm -hmm. doesn't do exactly what I need. Uh, but it's so close. It <laughs> saved me a ton of work, so I forked it. Okay. And I, I make the changes to that. At some point, I'll make them more general, and maybe right. they'll decide to bring that back into the project. Right. Uh, it's... You know, open source is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, that, mm, that's awesome. Um, but we do have to be, you know, reasonably responsible with the kind of code we produce too, right? Because if it's going to end up in other people's projects, you know, it really comes down to developers being responsible with the kind of code they write. Okay, the mojito is getting to me. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the first episode where I'm having a hard time finding. But my... you, you did start earlier. All right, <laughs> I did start earlier. Yeah. It's not really fair. <clears throat> All right, so let's move on to. Uh, should we uh, should we stay on React for a little bit longer? I mean, what do you think, do you think is a well, good time? React to... is very topical. Um, yeah, I, I think right now, if I were starting a project mm -hmm. from scratch, React would be my tool of choice. When Angular 2.0 comes out, that may change, and I guess that's one of the the difficulties in uh, this industry is well, how do you decide? It's in such flux; it's always changing. Yeah, you know. Do you think, uh, going back to directives for a second, do you think it's a good idea uh, to allow people to create their own elements? I mean, just yes. a directive concept in general. I, absolutely, and I, you know, I, I don't like the syntax for directives. I think it's too complicated. To it is complicated, post. yeah. And I, I've always strived to simplify that through factories, mm -hmm. so that you know I can use a more component-based approach. Right. I just declare it as a component. So I think, and I, I think that's certainly what Angular 2 is doing, and that's certainly what you see in, in React. Right. I've found React's component model to be very close to, to what I like to can do. Can you have your own element similar to directives in yes. React? Yes. You can? Yeah, you, you oh, you can have a Charlie element. Yeah, I can have a Charlie element. Oh, nice. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm working on the ultimate Charlie element. It's going to be a, a wise... You put this on your yeah. page and it solves all your problems. <laughs> it solves all problems. Okay. Um, why is Angular famous, do you think? Why uh, was it successful? You know, it's really about the community. You know, those guys are... They're a great bunch of guys, and they really strove for communities. I, yeah, I went to the last uh, NG Comp, and, uh -huh. and uh, Igor was up there. And are you still in touch with Igor? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Um, and basically, one of the things he says is, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to try to paraphrase him, but I'm, basically the thing that I remember about it was he said, you don't have to be an asshole. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. 
Yeah. And the community around yeah. Angular has just been so good. Everyone's yeah, supportive and, and positive. Right. There's you know, there's no arrogance there. These guys yeah. are doing great stuff. Right. And when they make a mistake, they're the first ones to admit it. And yeah, you know, I think that's what Angular Two is. It's like, you know what? We we wanted to do something and you know, we had all these great ideas and it worked really well for our use cases. Right. But now we've discovered this whole other universe of things. Right. And, you know, we've looked at what's out there. We've seen what React is doing, and we've we've learned from that. You know, we're not rigid about this, and so they I think they they've taken a lot of lessons from everyone. They work with everyone, and they're really pushing, you know, our industry forward. I think we're all going to be better off for what they're doing. So it's it's really the community. I, I love going to NGConf because it's yeah. such a it's such a positive, you know, almost a religious experience. Yeah. Did you speak at the first one? I had a cameo. Nice. Yeah, Ma- Mathers and I had a cameo. Um, Max. We got free tickets, everything. So <laughs> awesome. Good. We were we were a little bit toasted when we did our, our talk, though. Eh, that's that's how it works, right? Uh, why is React famous? Same question. React is phenomenal. I've never seen a framework take off like Wildfire, as React has done. And again, it's just you know they've really focused and got the view component right. Yeah, how do you how do you do the view? And that's really the sticking point for a lot of people. And so the the entry into React is pretty easy. Do you think if Angular solves the component problem and the syntax, um... Angular is a more complete framework. They solve a lot of the problems that React doesn't. So if they they handle the view as right. well as React did, then yeah, I, you think I, I think Angular will be the new hotness. And React will react and, and keep, you know, this, this is, you know, this is like Apple and Microsoft, right? They kept, you know, one-upping yeah. each other and, and we all benefit from that. That's true. We do benefit from it. What would you write from scratch, if anything? Simple pages, yeah. If, you, if I don't need to do a lot, you know, I want to start with, you know, as close to the Chrome as I can get. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I want you to take advantage of everything the browser does natively, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like the, the, the new HTML input elements. Did you know? That the input, mm-hmm. if you give it an input type or a, a number, uh-huh. yeah, it, it, it has yeah, its yeah. own little uh, incrementers and decrementers. I did. You I'm can doing take that right the now. in your trackpad. You can yeah, yeah. scroll through it. Absolutely, yeah. I have I have stuff that adds element, you know, rows and columns yeah, yeah. based upon that, and it's uh-huh. it's like <laughs> someone called it Laurel, not Laurel and Hardy, but uh, 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 Ollie cool. and and Stanley. Those old time characters were once fat okay. and once skinny. All you right. can see the elements shrinking and growing. I would think that it's just so cool. I didn't know it could do that. Yeah. I just sometimes get distracted by it. This is exactly what I was talking about. There is this drop down select style inside Bootstrap for select elements. You yeah. can style it using Bootstrap. The problem with that is it's not native, obviously. You know, it generates a bunch of uh, buttons for you. They're actually buttons. They're not. They're not the what the select options uh, natively uh, is created by the browser. It looks great on desktop, but when you look at it on your phone, now it's not native to your phone anymore. So it's it's all of a sudden not that great. Whereas if I have a select or input of number, now I'm getting the iPhone uh, infinite yeah. number yeah. thing. Same thing with date. Same thing with drop down. Same thing with select. Um, and that's when I really, re- this is a couple months ago, that's when I started to really pull out these things from my from my project, you know, and I thought, well, I'm just going to clean this out to the very basics of what the browser understands. And everybody already knows how to use the 
the date range uh, on their phone, you know, because yeah. they're already using their calendar or, or whatever. So that was the point I was, I was trying to make. And it, it just made my life so much easier not having to do all sorts of responsive things. And this, this is the thing. All of these frameworks out there are there to, to fill in deficiencies in the browsers. However, as the browsers, you know, start to incorporate all of these capabilities, then it's a stopgap. Angular has always made this point. We really, this is what a browser should be. And as the browsers incorporate these features, we can now do things natively. Perfect. And this is where we really want to go. This is perfect. I love it. Um, this question kind of doesn't apply to you because you have been a lot of things besides programmer. But if you weren't a programmer, what would you like to be? With no chance of failure, what would you be? You know what? <laughs> I always wanted to be someone that, that built things that people use an engineer. Uh-huh. You know? Uh, so one of my all-time favorite novels is The Diamond Age by Neil Stephenson, right? Uh, Stephenson. <laughs> and in that, you know, this harkens back to my, my early days. You know, even when I was running for office, you know, nanotechnology uh, you know, had just come on the horizon. People were talking about uh -huh. it. Uh, uh, was it K. Eric Drexler or Eric K. De Drexler? Anyway, uh, he, had, he had been discussing nanotechnology. So this is the things I was talking about when I was out, you know, talking to people about education. And uh, I mean, it was so, you know, one of the, the best aspects of that, I'm going to diverge a little bit. One of the best aspects of that whole running for office thing was that someone that had heard me on NPR <laughs> had come to me, you know, yeah. during the election, you know, I, I was at the polling places and said, I'm here to vote for you because I really loved what you had to say about education and, and nanotech. Well, I always, you know, wanted to be part of the, 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 the next wave that would build all these great things. Like, uh, uh, maybe, you know, so cyberpunk is, is one genre, but there's also something called steampunk and, uh -huh. and a couple other things where, you know, there's, there's a lot of dirigibles. Well, I'm, I'm sort of like, I feel like I, I should have been on the Hindenburg. <laughs> okay. So, but lighter than air travel. And right. I actually, one of the things that I, I proposed for this Google's, like they had a, like, uh, whatever, 10,000 or million ideas thing uh -huh. was, uh, an infrastructure built upon this LTA type, uh, uh, transport systems. Okay. So I would love to do that kind of stuff right. where I'm, I'm actually building these, you know, like people built railroads, those right. types of things. You're you're very much an engineer, you know. Yeah. My yeah. great grandfather was a civil engineer. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty obvious that you're you're a problem solver, but not not like a mathematician. You know, more like, hey, let's let's try and figure out how to build the, the thing. That's the thing that yeah. software keeps me in software development because I'm always doing that. You know, I, I, and we get to do that. Yeah, right? we get we'll, we get software. to we get to build things and solve problems. It's it's a great thing, and it always changes. So I never get bored with it. It's yeah. just an exciting field to be in. That's awesome. I love it. I know the answer to the next two questions. How did you get started and what technologies do you use right now? Uh, what do you wish you knew more? What technology, what framework, language? Hmm. That's, that's really hard. Yeah. There's so many things <laughs> that I wish I were better at. Yeah. Can I just say core mathematics? I, I wish yeah. I could, you know, I, I wish I could understand stuff that, that you know like quantum physics is based on those types of deep mathematics okay that's pretty awesome how do you wish the web was different what do you think sucks right now what sucks about the web is 
old browsers. <laughs> old browsers. Yeah, I, I wish you know that everyone had had access to the the latest Chrome, the greatest. Right. Chrome is great. Safari is great. Do you build? Actually, Safari's become so much better. Yeah, I, on on well, on an iPhone, you know, it's the only show in town. But I have to but say, but it's still pretty pretty great. I mean, iPhone too. I think it's better than anything. I mm -hmm. think that they've done so much. And having done you know mobile development and having to deal with Android issues, and just it's such a pleasure to, to yeah. write for the iPhone or, or iOS, I should say, not right. iPhone because we. Yeah, as well. Which is ironic because Android, Chrome, you would think they got a leg up. You would, but you would think. Uh, and I love what what Google's doing. And, you know, the stuff that would blink. I, minimalist. The fact that yeah. they decided, oh, WebKit is so bloated. Let's start from scratch with Blink and 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 fix all these problems. I, I love that aspect of it. They're 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 innovators. They're doing such great stuff. But every time we tried to do some of the cool parallax stuff on right. an android yeah. device yeah, i know it's just it was just painful forget it yeah i'm running into the same thing right now fortunately for me majority of my audience is about 70 percent is ios 30 percent is still large enough that i have to do some kind of you know progressive enhancement but it's well, not that's, that's the key progressive yeah. enhancement you know you start out with the basic and right. then you say if your device can support it you have these things and I think a lot of teams fail to take that approach early on. Yeah, so I think here's what happens. And I'm, and I'm, I'm saying this because it happened to me uh, multiple times. We start off with, with a, a full feature, everything, and then we add a blacklist of devices that we don't like. Whereas I think we have to reverse that kind of sure. thought. Yeah, right? absolutely. We, we have to have a whitelist. Yeah, 320 and up, baby. 320 <laughs> and up. Yeah. So, all right, let's go to the next one. I like it. The questionnaire has gotten kind of quick. You know, it's going <laughs> forward. Um, how is the industry different? Uh, someone getting started right now, as, as opposed to when you got started, how do you think their mentality sh should be different? Or should it be different at all? Oh, it's definitely different, but it's difficult to quantify um you know the statistics show that there's not enough people you know going into computer science now right it's hard to break into at this point in at least in this country i mean obviously outside this country it's a different story uh you know we, we've got a lot of great engineers coming from you know from india from uh middle east uh from uh eastern europe yeah, Europe is doing good yeah. too. Yeah, there phenomenal stuff going on there. Um, uh, but in this country, I, I think a lot of people think that. Well, maybe that hasn't changed because, you know, in '81, uh, my first computer science class, there were 300 people in it. Wow, there was a good mix. There were there were a lot of were there uh, girls in there the class? There were lots of girls because in, in that is class. just unheard of these yeah. days. This was all yeah, <laughs> it, it was all it was all new there. We computer science as a, a curriculum was fairly new. Uh, what were they teaching? Uh, we were learning in Pascal. Okay, yeah, I was the introductory programming language at that time. So, but by the time I graduated, you know, I no, I was. We won't discuss how long it took me to graduate, but by the, <laughs> my on, third Charlie. or fourth year. How many decades? <laughs> exactly. Um, by my third or fourth year, you know, you have to, I worked my way through college, so right. I, I took a lot of breaks. Right. Okay. But uh, I had several careers in between. Okay. Uh, in fact, um, uh, a shout out to Kathy McClurg. Okay. Who actually told me, you know, you need to finish your degree to stay, okay. you know, stay in this position. Are you still in touch? I'm not, sadly. 
but she okay. was. Uh, Maybe we can find her. Send her those she's links. A, she's she is link, connecting me with LinkedIn. I will send her the link. But yeah, I can yeah. give her a shout out to her because she's the one that gave me the time to finish off my degree, and uh, you know, forced me to do it. It was right. such a, a good thing. We're grateful for her. We are grateful. Okay, so so you said there were three hundred people in your class, and then what happened after that? So over over the the course of four years, right. Uh, so you got to your senior year. By the time you got to your senior year, the class size had shrunk down to maybe 15 people. 15? 1-5? One 1-5. Five? One five. Wow. From, From 300 to 1-5. And of those, only one was female. Was it because of uh, there was no git? Git is... It was this, SVN. This, like people were like, no. There was no, there was no <laughs> SVN. There was no git. There was none of that. Wow. There was no versioning, you know, versioning system uh, uh, or common versioning system. Right. You know, um, we just trying to blame it yeah, on something, try to blame us. I don't know what it is. Um, it was certainly appealing. There were plenty of, of, of women in the early stages of it. Uh, I'm not sure what it is about, about comp side that drives people away, but I think that, that we're making an effort right now to, to actively recruit. Yeah. Right. At this point, because certainly some of the best programmers I know mm -hmm. are, are females and one of the languages that that was probably the most formal is named after, you know, Ada Lovelace, right? Actually, the first programmers were were women, so it's it's interesting. It's it's certainly cultural. Yeah, it has nothing to do with capability. No, absolutely not. No, I have a couple of girls actually on my team, and and they're uh, just as good, if not better. Yeah, you know, they pay so much attention to detail, and that's, you know, that's obviously a good thing in any industry. Yeah. But particularly when you're writing code, you know, you want to be very mindful of, uh, you know, what everybody else is doing. And, and I've noticed that girls are very good at that. Yeah. You know? And most of the really good UX people I know. Yeah. Girls. Okay. Should, uh, can, you, can I say girls? They, well, people get offended. I certainly, if you call me a boy, I'm fine with that. You know what? This In is, fact, I, if, please do. <laughs> this is the drunk web, okay? And it has it, it is the alcohol talk. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we got Charlie. Yes. <laughs> All right, next question. Quickly, what's the coolest thing you worked on? Amex or? Coolest thing I worked on? Well, Amex was just such a fun project. I got yeah. to go out to um, Scottsdale uh -huh. and stay at like places like the W and nice. Point Hilton and cool. bring my family with me. Nice. And I, like it was just yeah. swimming pool. Sound, it sounds like a stars. good project, but as a as a product, what's the coolest product? As a product, for? yeah. Um, you know, I actually think that the coolest product was the. Uh, uh, and I, I, I'm not even say it's the most successful product, but I thought the the graphing algorithms we put together to visualize the uh, the communications. I didn't know you worked on that. So when you told the story, yeah, uh, that's uh, the nerdiest project. No, but it, but it's, it's so cool, dude. It's so cool. Yeah, I mean, okay, biggest fuck up. We kind of touched on that. Should this be in tech or in my other career? Because <laughs> by the time I entered the tech career, this was right. like my third profession. <laughs> I was not. I was risk averse. I okay. wasn't making fuck ups. Okay. Like, so. Let's let's stick to the web. To the web. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and I actually spun this in my favor. But so one of the big problems with with servlets was writing thread safe servlets. Uh huh. Okay. So I, I 
I hadn't really read uh, Jason Hunter, a good friend of mine, Jason Hunter. Shout out. Shout out. I hadn't read his, uh, you know, Servlitz book, <laughs> fully. <laughs> okay. And, uh, or at all. <laughs> and so I was getting problems with thread safety. So my, my users were inputting data and like they were, you know, one person's data was ending up in, in another person's oh, file. No. So I wasn't writing thread safe servlets. Oh. Uh, that was my, probably my biggest buck up. But then I turned that to my advantage because in my next interview with that DOD timekeeping project, uh -huh. why did they hire me? Because I said, oh, yeah, your, your, your servlets weren't thread safe, huh? Hmm. Yeah, apparently they didn't read to the end of the manual. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they had to go with JSPs. <laughs> You're like, yes. Yeah, I spun that totally as <laughs> if I knew that all along. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. Um, is it a good time to get started if you know nothing about programming? We need people. It, you know, it's, I, I fully, programming should be like mathematics. This is something everyone can use yes. in any field. We've talked about this yes. before. Yes. This is something, you, you know, if you don't know how to do it, you're reliant on someone else. To do this for you, you have your idea, and now you've got to do this communicating with okay. someone that that knows this thing. Well, if you know how to program it, you can program it yourself. And with all the tools that we have out there, yeah, there's really no excuse. Jenkins, Jenkins, <laughs> yeah, you can do your own, you know, uh, um, CI now. Mm -hmm. So what the heck? Yeah. Why not? AWS only charges you for what you will use. Absolutely, <laughs> I have I have AWS service. I'm not even using right now, but it's so cheap. It's so cheap. It I just matter. keep it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's sense. Yes. Uh, so you you would say not only is it a good time, but it's necessary. Necessary. We uh, you know, this is such a core thing. Again, it should be like learning English or mathematics. We should yeah. all understand. Yeah, and we we talked about this um, a few days ago. And then you said, I like what you said. You said it, it, it's going to become like mathematics, as in everybody is going to have to you know, learn somewhat. You should have a basic over, proficiency. Right. But then you are going to have mathematicians. Yes, right? you will always yeah. have mathematicians. Those people right. that are the pinnacle of their right. fields okay. to do the really hard stuff. I love that. I think that's going to happen. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Um, the future of the web. How do you see it? I have hindsight. To, to back me up on this, um, you know, most of the projects I've been on were projects that were dealing with porting something to the web, whether right. it be a Visual Basic app, mm -hmm. whether it be a, a Power Builder app, whether it be an, an app. So, you know, right now, all of these things started out as saying, oh, well, the best way to deliver this is with sort of a native application. Right. And, but there's one thing about the web, it's, it's ubiquitous. It is everywhere, and it is the still to this day the most efficient way to deliver content. Yeah. Uh, there's always a place for certain things. Gaming games will always be better off as standalone native apps. Very true. But there are some things that you really need to be topical. You know, I don't want to have to update my app to see this content. I, you know, the web delivers what you need when you need it. You know, it's always up to date. And you don't have to go through it. You know, I, I heard you talking about this on previous podcasts. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go through a review process. Right. You control. You as the owner. For you know, for DOD, app stores are a non-starter. Yeah. You right. you need to be in control of what you deliver. Right. Yeah. And you know, unless you start up your own app store. <laughs> uh, and, and again, it's about, well, do I update this app? The web is instantaneous. 
And if you write your web apps so that they're lean and you only deliver the content that the users need when they need it, right. there's no better delivery mechanism. Awesome. So you're excited about the future I'm of the web. I'm excited about the future web. Nice. I, do I think that the web will exist the way it does now? No, I think there will be a lot of, of cross-pollination between the app world and the web world. We'll, you know, right. the best of both will come together into this new entity. Right. It has to, because otherwise people would complain too much and bitch about it and, and it, it would go it, out. It should be both. If I want my web page to act like an app, I should be able to do that. And right. you can do that, with, you know, especially with the Apple products, you know, right. uh, I, you know, Android products. You can save off a, a web app. Yeah. Treat it just like a native app. Right. And, and as the performance of the networks and the devices gets better, this discrepancy between, you know, right. oh, I can't do this well with web, mm -hmm. and I can't get the scrolling performance I need out of it, or I don't have access to this hardware component, those will dis those those blockers will disappear over time. CSS transitions, baby. They make things I look good. I love me some CSS. <laughs> I've been animating things on, uh, on, the, on the web a lot lately, and it turns out that transform is the way to go. Right, and you don't want to move things around any other way, All, even with size. You don't want to change width and height because it gets pretty choppy. Yeah, you want to yeah. change the uh, the scale, which is a little bit painful. But yes, the transforms are definitely uh, the way to go. I'm doing right. a lot with the uh, the React Grid layout component uh -huh. that I mentioned. Um, it's uh, everything transforms. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it looks beautiful. good. Powerful. See, you know, it's it's GPU enhanced. Right? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> How are we doing on RUM? Should we have one more? Uh, how am I Charlie, you're... Uh, oh, man, it's empty, dude. <laughs> I just saw Charlie take a I, big sip of nothing. I drink like a fish when I'm around. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make another one. Uh, so why don't I make uh, mojitos round four? Round four. While we... Uh, you know what? I'm going to throw a, a big question at you while I'm making these drinks because mojitos, they seem to be the most complicated drink so far on the drunk web. I'm, I'm glad that I can add complexity. You know I'm about simplicity. You are about simplicity, but the drink you chose is, is kind of I, complicated. I did choose two drinks. I want you to know. I have to you point did. this out. You did, yes. Just Tennessee whiskey. You did, yeah. But you know, we had whiskey on, on the show before. Also, you and I have a history this, of drinking. We definitely have the history with Mojitas. Right. So, okay. How can young engineers become like Uncle Charlie? Uh, you don't want to be like me. <laughs> I, I, I disagree. I think there's a... All right. Can I rephrase that question? Would you consider yourself a successful programmer? I've been very successful. Okay. Uh, programming. I mean, I live in, in New York downtown, and I have two kids in private school. That is not... <laughs> so, so, yes, I've been successful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, uh, that really is the definition of success. Being able to live in downtown New York is not an easy thing. For eight, <laughs> eight years now. There you go. Um, no, but, no, but this is such a phenomenal city to work in and live in. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, hold on. There's, there's more. There's more there's ingredients. More. Oh, we shouldn't drink the rum straight. <laughs> I just put some rum in Charlie's drink. So have you ever noticed, you know, is there a programmer equivalent to the bar thing where you, you think you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof? Um... Yeah, you think you're, uh, <laughs> there's got to be someone in history. You know, you know, I never code when I'm drinking because I found that, for me, uh -huh. I can't code when I drink. Oh, really? Even one drink? Maybe, maybe one, but it's definitely, every even one drink will impair my ability. 
So what I found that one drink makes me code better. Really? But but it's such a fine line. It's like it is one drink is better, and then one and a half drinks is way worse. You know. So anyway, the reason why I asked whether you think you're successful, what do you attribute that to? Oh, it's all is persistence. I I never give up. You don't give up. I never give up. Um, you know, when people aren't happy with you, you just step back and you just stay on message. And I think for me, because, you know, for you it will be different because you are charismatic. Oh, I am not charismatic. No more than you, Charles. No, I am, I am clearly not charismatic. But what I, what I found is that if you say something long enough, people will start to think it's their idea. <laughs> okay. And that's okay. That's a win for me. Right. Yeah, um, I, so I want the project to succeed. I don't. I don't care if I get credit for it or not. I just that's I. I live for a successful project. And you have a bunch of them to show for it. I I I have been very fortunate. Okay, and I've, so, I've worked with good people. Right. So the, the reason why I ask this whole thing is, is is because I want to make sure that you know if if people want to take away anything practical from this, you know I I want to be like you. When I'm your age, I want I want to have all these cool projects to show for it, and I want to I want to be able to talk about them proudly. You know, I have a, I have a couple of really good projects that I can talk about right now, but I want more of them. Like we ran out of time during your intro, just talking about the projects that you're proud of. Forget the ones that were kind of good, and then the ones that were you know kind of average. You know, so uh, what advice do you have? For people who are struggling, who, you know, there are things that they want to learn, but they're not good at them, or whatever it is. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Um, Mojito number four. One of the, the things, the most successful projects are the projects where we all felt we were a team. We all had a common goal, and we, you know, it wasn't about one person's ego or the other. And it's really about, you know, keeping your ego in check. It's... Yeah, if you are one of those strong leaders that people follow you because you, you know, your ego is, is, is big, go for it because right. that, that works too. But for me, you know, it's, it's more about a, a team effort. I, the best thing, the most exciting times for me is when I have conversations. I, I remember conversations with you mm -hmm. where you were working on a problem. I had my own stuff to do. Right. But I would much rather sit there and help you solve yeah. your problem yeah. than, than work on my own problem. That's, um, that's, so, uh, that's, you know, being, being a little bit selfless, right. you know, and putting the team before yourself, I, I think, you know, that's how projects succeed. Yeah. Well, you're a rare commodity, my friend, you know, and we need more people like you. So um, that's awesome. So, and, and that for sure is the recipe for success. That, I mean, I don't know how else you can you can uh, you can get that level of you know friendship relationship in the industry, which is something that clearly we all need. You know, kind of maybe the point of this podcast is to get people together and share these ideas. And I so. I, I really think you're on to something here, Sam. You, you're doing a phenomenal job, and I'm going to make a bold ass prediction here. Holy shit! Um, you, you heard it here first, folks. Um, <laughs> Sina is going to be the Andy Cohen of tech interviews. Oh. And the fact that you might know what I'm talking about means that you are in a relationship with someone else because there's no way you're watching Bravo unless you are. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, there's no way. Thanks, man. No, I, I hope. Uh, I mean, it's been fun uh, getting to getting together with people that I know already, but I want, I'm interested in your ideas, obviously. And, uh, you know, some people that I don't know that I got to know through the, the podcast. And so hopefully the, the train will keep going. This is, this is totally awesome. But, you know, I'm waiting for the reunion. The reunion podcast. Cheers. That would be awesome. Yeah. I want to get, mm, want to get multiple people on the show. Maybe we'll have every, maybe should have, every, we should have the whole team. We got to have the whole team. Man. Yeah. Have everybody. That'd be awesome. Yeah. There will be blood, though. <laughs> oh, yes. That's the best part of it, though, right? <laughs> yes. That's why people tune in. <laughs> okay, let's get back to our questionnaire. So the next question would be, uh, it's kind of the same as the, the, the previous one. What would you say to the young Charlie Fulnicky? If you could uh, get in a time machine, go back in time to when you were 22, mm. what would you say to yourself? Okay, do something about the hair loss early. Uh, no, um, uh, I don't know. You know, I want to say there are a lot of things that I could have done better. You know, I, I certainly could have focused on on college early on, instead of getting distracted with you know these these business ventures that didn't really pan out. But I don't. You ne- you never know. Those but you are the things trying. that make you who yeah. you are. Yeah, and you yeah, can't not try. I, I would say to me, just continue. Work hard. You know, eventually it's the ability to work hard that's going to serve you best. Right. And no matter what you're doing, even if you fail at what you're doing, if you worked hard at it, yeah. you know, it's that strength that's going to help you in your next venture. Okay. Um, well, Charlie, I, every programmer at some point has, uh, you know, at some point in their career, they have someone who just knows so much more. Okay. And, uh, you know, you end up going back to them over and over again and you're annoying and you know that you're annoying to them, but, but you just keep going back because they have all the answers, you know, they have some kind of answer for you. So for me, that was you, you were that guy. Thank you for putting up with me for so long. And you still do, by the way, the, the audio player and the, the drunk web, I, I was running into this issue and I, I asked you a couple of weeks ago and you helped me with it. So I, I actually was helpful because I wasn't sure. You were totally helpful, okay, yeah. And I, and I always feel dumb asking you questions because I'm like, oh, has he already explained this to me? Because <laughs> yeah. I feel bad. But so, you know, thank you for, for being there. And, and also, uh, you did one, one other thing for me, which is huge. And it's not something you can ask people to do for you. You reassured me that programming was cool and it was a it was a cool thing to do and it's cool to be a programmer you know i I think people forget that we forget that it's it's a fun job right you did that for me so thank you for that cheers It's, it's a special breed okay we we all have our place in life we're we're not the marines but we are the few and the proud we are no so um, it's been awesome having you here. I have so much more I want to talk to you about, but we're so out of time. <laughs> we're, this we're over time. We're way over time. So please come back uh, whenever you want. I'm definitely going to be bugging you about coming back here and talking Dude, some you more. You know, I, I listen to, to almost all the other podcasts, and they're they're so great. You do such a great job, and I'm surprised at how good some of the interviews are they're just phenomenal thanks man no it's it's the the quality of the guests Dude, you know? maybe I, I should talk to Igor and the rest of the guys from Angular I don't know uh, any React guys yet uh-huh. that well yeah I'm starting to make connections 
But they yeah. should they should come talk to you, Cena. If the Angular guys want to get drunk with me and and uh, talk about Angular, yeah, that would be fantastic. So next time they're in town, I'm gonna push for that. Maybe that would be one of the joint episodes where yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You can be there. Igor can be there. That would be awesome. So again, thank you for being here, and thank you guys for listening. Because this has been a long episode, but with lots of good things. So, Thanks, guys. Uh, we're not going to stop drinking these mojitos. We no, have... it's not done, and we are going to finish. Yeah, we're going to finish. Uh, I'm going to put the episode up pretty soon. I'm so excited for people to listen to it. I've been looking forward to this episode so much, and I've, t- I've talked about it a bunch. So people are like, who is this Charlie guy you keep talking about? I'm like, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's the alcohol talking because we we think we sound brilliant. Right now, but we're, we're not really. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll listen to it tomorrow. It's probably not going to sound as good. <laughs> so thanks everyone for tuning in. This has been episode six of the Drunk Web. And Charlie, great to see you, my friend. Cheers. Thanks for the invite. All right. Cheers. <laughs>